We are in the home stretch of this holiday season, and I'd like to thank you all for hitting that download button over at SoundCloud.com and joining me for a very festive holiday edition of Kicking Out at Two. I am your host, the retrosexual Dave Rosenbluth, giving you all things retro professional wrestling, and we're going to do it in holiday fashion this week as we're going to construct our very own naughty list. We're going to talk about some of the most evil boys and girls in all of wrestling history and what evil, heinous, devilish acts did they perpetrate on our heroes to deserve such an honor of making Santa Claus's naughty list? Well, you're going to find out in just a few moments as Jamie Garabedian making it a three-peat in the Kicking Out at Two studios, rounding out his stay here. He's going to help me construct this official Kicking Out at Two naughty list that we're going to send up to the North Pole and get it approved with Santa Claus and hopefully these evil little boys and girls never, ever, ever make it on the nice list ever again. But before we do that, allow us to remind you all that we are on social media and it would be, it would, it it would, I wouldn't be doing my job properly if I didn't tell you how much fun we're having on social media. So head on over to facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two. Hit the like button if you have not already. Tell a friend to hit the like button if you have already and be a part of all the fun, the interactive debates, discussions, videos, articles, pictures, you name it. It's all over there. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two. And we're also on Twitter. Our handle is at kicking out two. K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T and the number two. All the same fun we're doing on Facebook. We're doing it over on Twitter, about 140 characters or less. All right. You know, before we get into things this week, it's been a while. So I thought, you know what? This week's show needed a little bit of a roll call. I needed to discuss some things that have been on my mind, make it make a little bit of an announcement to you guys. Um, first and foremost, um, Coming off of the uh, the Ring of Honor final battle pay-per-view that took place last Friday, uh, I got the chance to watch it, and I wanted to discuss some of my thoughts with you guys. I, I didn't watch all of it. I watched a little bit of it, thanks to the guys over at the uh, Save American Wrestling group on Facebook. They had a link up on the Facebook page. Yes, it was illegal, but I'm not paying $39.95 for a pay-per-view ever again. So, yes, I watched it illegally on Facebook through a group of friends, and uh, I was very impressed with the Jeff Cobb, Hangman, Adam Page, Ring of Honor TV title match. I loved, loved, loved the physicality from those two and I didn't get a chance I have not really had a chance to see much of Jeff Cobb I've heard nothing but great things from his time in PWG of course he had a run in Lucha Underground under a mask uh you know I was I I was thoroughly impressed with what I watched and like I said it was just it resembled a really good fight it was just I I, I can't say enough good about it the physicality was just awesome and it translated real well the New York City crowd loved it and uh you know Cobb is definitely a guy I'm going to keep my eye my eye out on in the very near future um, on Ring of Honor television. Like I said, I don't get a chance to watch much Ring of Honor. I try to watch as much wrestling as I can, but I'll make it a point to try and find where he is and when so I can watch it because I was really impressed with uh, with what he was able to do. Same thing with Hangman Page. He's a phenomenal talent. Uh, I got to watch him for the first time, uh, I believe, at a new, on a New Japan show uh, about a year or so ago, maybe two years ago. I don't remember exactly. But then uh, the match he had with Joey Janela at All In, I thought was the Chicago Street Fight I thought was an awesome fight. And so um, it was definitely fun to watch. Uh, coming out of Final Battle, what else did I check out? Oh, Bully Ray and Flip Gordon in that I Quit match. thought it was a great match. Bully Ray, uh, you know, 
a true veteran of, of our industry, knows how to be a good bad guy, had that crowd in the palm of his hand. Uh, lots of interaction with Silas Young making a run in. Uh, Colt Cabana had a spot in the match at one point. They Bully was going to powerbomb Flip's girlfriend. He was sitting in the front row. The Sandman from the original ECW main appearance. Overall, it was just a really fun, good brawl. Um, and Flip Gordon has definitely got a future in the wrestling business uh, moving forward. I've said this a few times before. Didn't get a chance to watch much of him, but I've seen little bits and pieces of him. The dude is going to be a, a, a big star someday. I really feel it. He's got a, a following and, a, and great momentum behind him in the last couple of years since he's been with Ring of Honor. His association with the guys from the Elite. I mean, nothing but good things for Flip Gordon uh, moving forward. Uh, Cody and Lethal. Great Ring of Honor title match. Uh uh, Cody tapping out in the middle to the figure four with Jay, from Jay Lethal. I uh, thought it was a really uh, a really good, well-paced championship match. The crowd was into it. And uh, then, of course, the main event I got a chance to watch was the ladder war. Uh, uh, SoCal and Censored, uh, the Briscoes, and the Young Bucks. And these guys damn near killed each other with them ladders and all the crazy spots they did a lot of fun and uh you know as, as many of you know this was kind of a farewell for some of those elite guys hangman page cody the bucks uh, their ring of honor deals have expired and their future in wrestling it's it there's a lot of buzz going on regarding the the guys from the elite and uh rumors of a, of a promotion that they're going to be starting that's financially backed by uh the owners of the NFL's Jacksonville Jaguars and you know all the great things they've done maybe we'll see another all in you know the the, the years the, the last year that they've had has just been wild and it's definitely set the wrestling world on its ear and I'm really looking forward to what they have planned um, I really feel like we're going to see a true alternative to WWE not that we don't see it already with like New Japan and Ring of Honor and even Impact Wrestling to a certain degree, but you know these guys are just they're they're so dedicated to making the wrestling business better that I feel like they have the best shot at really shaking things up within the landscape of the entire industry. And I think it's I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I I can't wait to be a part of it. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of many eras as a fan. In wrestling, watching, you know, the rock and wrestling era to then eventually the, the era of the Monday Night Wars. And, and you know, since, you know, the, the Monday Night Wars, we've seen, you know, uh, little bits and pieces of uh, uh, of that era, so to speak. With, with TNA kind of tried to go head-to-head with WWE, didn't really work out. But, um, I don't know, I just feel like 2019 is going to be a huge year in wrestling. And I think, like, those guys like Cody and the Bucks and all those guys from the Elite are going to have a... a big part of it and, and play a big part in it, I should say so I'm looking forward to that uh, overall from what I saw from Ring of Honor's uh, final battle pay-per-view I thought it was a lot of fun to watch and a really good show I've heard nothing but great reviews for the rest of the card uh, like I said I didn't get a chance to watch all of it those the matches I had just discussed were the ones that I'd watched um, but um, when I had time to watch it, I should say while I was at work so uh yeah, I'm, I'll look forward to trying to catch a whole Ring of Honor pay-per-view because I hear nothing but good things. Like I said, I'm not a religious viewer of the product uh, just because, you know, time and life and things get in the way. But, uh, you know, they're doing great things, too. And I think Ring of Honor, with, with, the, with the absence of the elite, 
Uh, I think, you know, they're going to do some great things in 2019. They're going to headline fucking Madison Square Garden, for Christ's sakes, with New Japan Pro Wrestling, the G1 Supercard, the first major organization, wrestling organization, to not only run Madison Square Garden, but sell the motherfucker out. That's going to be pretty cool. Uh, you know, I know a few people that are going to go to the show. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, you know, I think just 2019, the, the momentum that the wrestling industry is has, has been getting in the last year, couple of years or so, I think it's really going to blow up in 2019. So, looking forward to it. And before we get into the subject this week of our special kicking out it to naughty list, uh, I told you guys at the top of the show I had a little bit of an announcement I wanted to make in our roll call this week. And, uh, you know... 2018 as it's coming to a close uh, as I reflect I think that you know this year has been a very good year to me in terms of podcasting I was able to be a part of the Ken Reedy show the best in pro wrestling talk for six years and earlier this year um, Ken decided he wanted to take a hiatus and I felt at that time it was the right time for me to walk away and just kind of do my own thing uh, you know I had a great six year run on his show had a lot of fun met a lot of cool people in the wrestling industry um, and I thank Ken for the opportunity that he allowed me to uh, speak my opinion in terms of professional wrestling on his show it was a lot of fun but um, you know scheduling and life just happens and Ken's got his hands in a lot of different projects with uh, rescue dog groups and uh, you know relay for life cancer awareness he plays in a few bands you know he's got a life of his own too so the Ken Reedy show um, kind of took a backseat a little bit for a little while um, it's still on hiatus as of this time I, I hear he's going to be coming back shortly um, I, I, I hope nothing but good things for Ken but uh, you know as 2018 has moved along and as I've kind of been running the ropes in the podcast world on my own since um, my departure from the Ken Reedy show and since I started this show kicking out it too I've met a lot of cool people you know in different uh, wrestling chat groups and different um, uh, there's a podcast group I'm a part of on Facebook called putting over podcasts and I met an individual by the name of Kobe Nida and we just got to talking recently and uh, he hosts a show called retro mania which is very similar to uh, you know my show in a sense where it's basically all retro pro wrestling discussions and uh he the retro mania let me now i want to i want to do this justice because uh you know kobe's a good guy and uh i really like his show i got to take a listen to it a little bit recently uh retro mania is a retrospective pro wrestling podcast where we romanticize fantasize watch and review your favorite or not so favorite storylines matches events and or feuds of your pro wrestling past and so uh kobe's kind of uh, sets up his uh, his podcast as um, kind of like uh, different seasons. He has different themes for each season. So um, the current season right now, I believe, is uh, uh, rebooking the World Wrestling Federation without Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania, which is very interesting because that's how I got into wrestling was Hulk Hogan and during the big boom period. So um, I caught a little bit of the 1990 Royal Rumble episode. A very interesting take on uh, how the 1990 Royal Rumble would have fared had Hulk Hogan not been a part of that. Um, like I've told you before in the past, I'm not big on fantasy booking because uh, I think people take it way too seriously. And it, it, it turns into heated debates and arguments very similar to the political debates you see on social media that ruin friendships and lives all over the world. And uh, 
But Kobe's kind of got like a fun, entertaining approach to his 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 fantasy booking, so to speak. Um, he he doesn't take it too seriously, but he tries to be realistic and have fun with it at the same time. It's a good blend. It's a good mix. So uh, Kobe and I have been discussing some things, and uh, I'm going to do some work with him on Retromania. Him and I are going to do a show uh, called the Wrestling Time Hop. It's going to debut December the 27th, which is a Thursday, and we're going to cover some of the uh, important events and memorable moments in wrestling history on that date. So we're going to cover a few starcades that took place on December 27th over the years. We're going to discuss some wrestlers' birthdays like Goldberg, Bart Gunn, China. I believe that's the date that uh, the late Big Van Vader debuted New Japan Pro Wrestling. So we're going to talk about all those events that took place on December the 27th. And uh, I'll definitely going to have Kobe on our on this show here in 2019. Uh, uh, maybe he'll be involved in a trading places, which is one of my favorite concepts to do here and kicking out it too. Maybe he'll do a watch along with me. Who knows? But Kobe and I are going to basically be working together and uh, helping promote each other and just, you know, doing what we love to do. And that's talk, you know, the history of pro wrestling. And if you're looking to check out Retromania, you can find them on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Retromania. Or you can find them on Twitter. Their handle is at Retromania Pod. Now, let me remind you all, or let me just, you know, give you a heads up. Retro is not spelled with a R. It's spelled with a W. So it's W-R-E-T-R-O Mania. So Retro with a W. So you can find them on Facebook at Retromania, W-R-E-T. R-O-M-A-N-I-A or on Twitter at Retromania Pod. And you can find the Retromania Podcast over at moleholeradio.com. That's M-O-L-E-H-O-L-E radio.com. You can find all the archive shows of Retromania. And like I said, debuting Thursday, December the 27th, the very first edition of Wrestling Time Hop. Kobe and myself are going to sit down and talk all the great things that took place on December the 27th in the history of pro wrestling. So be on the lookout for that. I'll have a link to that show um, up on the kick out at two facebook page you can hit the like button over there and like retromania like i said it's a very fun light-hearted but realistic approach of what the world wrestling federation would have looked like had hulk hogan not been a part of it so check it out over there retromania and with that being said i think it's about that time that we get to the meat and potatoes of this week's show and joining me once again in the co-pilot's chair, my good buddy Jamie Garabedi. And back for round three here in the month of December and kicking out at two. What's going on, man? What's up? Let's keep it going. That's right. That's right. Yeah. This week we are going to discuss who would have made Santa Claus's naughty list in the world of professional wrestling past, even present. We're going to discuss some of those individuals and the particular moments where you feel that guy definitely deserves to be on Santa Claus's naughty list. Now, full disclosure, we did something like this on the Ken Reedy show last year around Christmas time, Ken, Rocky, and myself, where we discussed some of the most heinous acts in the history of professional wrestling amongst some of the most evil characters 
characters in all of wrestling and if they would have made our official Ken Reedy show Naughty List. And I thought, why not take that concept and bring it over here to kicking out it too? And uh, I'm going to allow you to get things started. But before you do, I'd like for all you to head on over to Facebook.com forward slash kicking out it too and you give us your official Naughty List. Who in the world of professional wrestling would make Santa Claus's Naughty List and why? Hit us up over on Facebook.com forward slash kicking out it too. Same goes for Twitter. Our handle is at kicking out two K I C K N O U T and the number two. Tell us who is naughty and who is not nice in professional wrestling history. Jamie, let's get things started, my man. Tell me, give me one person and that particular moment that puts them on the official kicking out at two naughty list or Santa Claus's naughty list, if you will. I got a good one to start it off with. All right, go for it. Think about mid-90s. All right. Somebody that's really a pain in the ass, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Okay, okay. All right. Now, what puts Shawn Michaels on the naughty list? Let's let, let, let's elaborate a little bit. Is there a certain moment or is there a series of moments? Tell me. Elaborate let's, for me is why Shawn Michaels makes Santa Claus's naughty list. Well, what's got him on the naughty list to start off with is... When he betrayed uh, Janetti. Marty Janetti. So the beginning of his uh, heel turn, let's say. Okay. The Barbershop, 1992. All right. That's, I mean, I think that's how we should start, at least start it off because we there's there's a ton of stuff that we could talk about with yeah. him. So. Go for it. Yeah, man. so, I mean, that was his beginning of his heel turn. Boom. What's the best way to do it? Break him up with uh, Janetti and super kick him and put him through that window. Yeah, I mean, as a Rockers fan as a kid, I was devastated because I loved them as a team. Uh, but at the same time, I felt like as a kid I was watching something that clearly I had never seen before. And I was in some ways optimistic as to what direction Shawn Michaels was going to be going and moving forward. I knew he was going to be a bad guy. I mean, you couldn't – in 1992, you could not cheer – him throwing Marty Jannetty through the, the, oh, the no, glass yeah. window of the barbershop. But I was very interested to see um, what kind of change would come with Shawn Michaels following the barbershop incident. And, I mean, I'm sure there's, you know. How, how much longer after that did he get Sherry? Not very long after yeah, because, that. Yeah, because, yeah, that's another thing. Of course, you're going to be on a naughty list if you got Sherry with you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Sherry was Sherry was as naughty as they come. Yeah. Um, Sherry was probably the first woman at that time in the WWF that um, was a little more edgier in yeah. terms of being a female. Uh, you had, you know, prim and proper Miss Elizabeth, but then you had Sensational Sherry, who, you know, had the the, the, the funky eye makeup, the mascara, the her, voice. Her, her voice, her look, you know, the clothing that she wore um, at that time in the you know, late 80s to going into the early 90s was very uh, provocative and risque, if you will, so, you know. So, yeah, I mean, that definitely puts... Uh, put Shawn Michaels up there on the naughty list. Tell me some more about why Shawn Michaels makes the naughty list. You talked about the barbershop. I'm sure there are plenty of other reasons that, that Shawn oh, yeah. Michaels made the naughty list. Well, let's let's jump into his uh, his backstage politicking. If, okay. are, are we talking about no, stuff you can, that just yeah. got, or that got, a, got him on TV or backstage? We can do both. Okay. No, we can okay. do both. Yeah, we get to so, we, yeah, And we, that's all speculation, too, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. run with it. As know. much as we've heard about him that, again, we don't know if it's hundred percent real, hundred percent um not. But uh just him 
pushing people around backstage yep. or what we heard about happening about him and um Vader. Vader. Vader's push. Yep. Allegedly. Yeah. No, I've, I've heard that too. I've heard that he was a big reason as to why Vader um, didn't receive the, the, the championship. Mm-hmm. The, the rumor was, was that um, Vader was supposed to win the title at Survivor Series in 1996, which I think I kind of elaborated on in our Survivor Series Trading Places episode. Head on over to SoundCloud.com in the archives to check that out. Um, and then they were going to kind of basically the, the the stuff he did with Sid in '96 at Survivor Series and Royal Rumble that was supposed to be him and Vader. Okay. And you know Vader was supposed to go into the Royal Rumble with the belt, and Shawn Michaels was rumored to win it in his hometown against Vader and from what I understand, uh, Michaels and his backstage politics had put Vader in the doghouse politically and his, his push was stopped and things really weren't the same for Vader following that. If you remember. Yep. But, um, I mean, it was, he went mid card until he pretty much disappeared after he was like i'm just what did he came out i guess i'm just some fat piece of shit and oh, walked yeah. away. <laughs> when he wrestled kane and lost yep. his mask like, there's a fat piece of shit <laughs> yeah. yeah it was uh it was uh yeah rather uh a dramatic end to to the man they call vader and his push in the wwf but you know you, you talk about his backstage politicking um no, no stories could be uh, any more controversial when it comes to Shawn Michaels and his backstage politics, and of course his issues with your favorite, your boy Bret Hart. Let's let, let let's not you know not address this elephant in the room. I mean, you brought up Michaels' backstage politics. Come on, just lay it out there. You know, tell us tell us all. He why ends, he, the real big reason is why he's on the naughty list is because of that backstage fight. And where did that happen? In Hartford. In Hartford. With, I went with, to that event, and it, I couldn't see Bret Hart or Sean. That's right. Because they were thrown off the, the show that day. And they that's back when they recorded Raw, 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 yeah. Raw. So you get like a month of Raw. Yeah. And you could stay there for, I remember, um, we ended up leaving early because uh, it was already like getting close to like 2 o'clock. Uh-huh. Really? But, um, yeah, but no Bret yeah. because of that. Well, the, 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 the rumor and innuendo, as they like to say in the, in the wrestling podcast world, was that um, Sean and Brett had some issues, and it led to a physical altercation in the locker room at the Hartford Civic Center, which is now known as the XL Center, um, uh, in June of 97. And uh, do you want to hear an interesting story about that? But, yeah, so I was watching a Jim Cornette shoot interview, and Cornette tells a story that, you know, Cornette at the time was on the booking committee. He yeah. was helping book the TV, and he was in Vince's office in the building. And um, this was when Sean, you know, this was pretty much like nobody had liked him at that point. He yeah. was an island unto himself for a long time. And according to Cornette, um, First of all, Jerry Lawler was taking a shit in the toilet when the <laughs> fight was going on next door, and he had to. And he when he came out of the toilet, I don't know if he wiped his ass or not, but he came out of the toilet <laughs> to break up the fight with his with his pants tied around his ankles, and then um, Michaels barged into Vince's office while Cornette was in there and had a chunk of his hair and smacked it down on the desk and was like, "I'm done." I'm going to WCW or something like that. And he stormed off and left. Cornette kept that chunk of hair and put it in a Ziploc bag. I believe to this day, that chunk of hair is in the ho- is in one of Jim Cornette's ex-wife's house. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. He kept the hair. <laughs> or give it to him. He needs it now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah if, any, yeah, if there's another reason why Shawn Michaels needs to be put on the naughty list is because of that haircut. fucking haircut he got recently. You know, oh did you God. see the picture of the head side-by-side, side, him and then... Um, Hunter? No, uh, that Jeff Dunham guy that does the puppets. You ever the hillbilly puppet? No. Uh, you gotta, it's, oh, I, I, gotta I can't it. think of the name of the his puppet's name. But it, it, they're like identical. Really? It's basically like a, a puppet that's, with the googly eye. Yeah, googly eye and ball, <laughs> and he's like country. Wow. He went. That he's. Uh, I mean, I'm. I can't really uh, speak, but he he went. He's far from that sexy boy. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Father Time has definitely won the battle against Shawn Michaels over the years for sure. Um, like I said, if there's any reason, I would honestly, I wouldn't have mind if he. I did. I I was okay with the little the short haircut he had, he had yeah. gotten earlier this year. I was like, all right, you know, he's he's starting to bald. You know, he looks like an adult. Like right. he's not going to come back. And then of course he comes back, and then he you know he looks like a cancer patient. <laughs> Jesus. But other than that, um, yeah, there's plenty of reasons. I mean, his issues with Brett, his uh, his, and I'm sure he'd say it too. You know, he was an asshole. Yeah, he, he was not the nicest person to be around behind the scenes. But um, the barber shop definitely a moment that. Definitely put Shawn Michaels on the naughty list. Um, you know, if Santa Claus were to have ever uh, confronted one Shawn Michaels with a lump of coal, it would be because he turned on Marty Jannetty and threw him through the, the plate glass window. That's a, that's a pretty good one to start. I like that one. Um, if there's anybody else who could probably go on the naughty list, I'm going to go with Jake the Snake Roberts from 1991. Uh, him and The Undertaker crashed the Macho Man's wedding at SummerSlam when mm-hmm. he had the King Cobra inside the, the present. And that. then they just tortured Macho Man. To the point where um, Jack Tunney and the WWF had no choice but to reinstate the Macho Man. You had um, you had uh, Jake the Snake uh, use the King Cobra to bite Macho Man Randy Savage, and then resulting in the match that they had at this Tuesday in Texas. Um, I was a big Jake fan. I was also a bi- I'm still a big Macho Man fan. He's in my top you know top five favorites of all time. And uh, when Jake wrestled macho i was disappointed because i love jake so much but um i was very disappointed and shocked when i saw him slap miss elizabeth post-match uh if you remember macho man randy savage beat jake and then jake was just putting a beating on randy post-match beating him up ddt'd him a few times he'd get in elizabeth's face and and uh you know Come on, that's not a real man. You need to be with a real man. He would scare her. And then I want to say she tried to stop him. And then when she tried stopping him, he stopped her. And then he smacked her right across the face. I don't remember. You don't remember that? No, I don't remember. All right, you know what you need to do? You need to go see this Tuesday in Texas on WWE Network. And you need to find that. Uh, no, definitely. Will. Because I there was one why. point. There was one point. If you remember the Macho Man DVD that came out a number of years ago, it was just a list of matches. It wasn't a documentary. Yeah. Yep. And they had that match on there. They cut that part out when he slapped her. I bet. So when I went to watch it, like a like a couple of years ago on the network, and I was like, oh, they don't have the slap on there. They wouldn't show that for sure. 
They have it on there. Oh, I was like shocked. I was like, holy cow. So it's posted. Yeah, I'll definitely watch he, it. And he gets her good too. Like you, it's not like a little powder puff. Like he smacks her real good across the face. Like, and I was like, oh my God. As Especially a kid, I was like. then too? I, yeah, exactly. Like well, you, you didn't see male on well, women violence. Jake you know? was always ahead of his time. But. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But um, I remember as a kid, I was like, oh my God, what an asshole. Like oh, Macho yeah. Man's going to kill him. And, you know, eventually. But he, there was no, there was no payoff after that. They had that one match on Saturday night's main event. You remember when uh, when he, he beat when, Jake uh, and then Undertaker, Undertaker turned, turned face? face? Yeah, yeah and he that's dropped. that's what that's the part I remember. So that's they had the match before that. Yeah, and then afterwards, Jake was waiting in the dressing room. Yeah, and he grabs the and Undertaker chair. grabbed yeah. the chair. Yeah, and that's I what led was... to their WrestleMania match. Yeah. And then. He was gone. Yeah, Jake he came back. In Jake 96. was gone after that. He went to WCW eventually, um, and did some uh, some pretty interesting stuff with Sting, but nothing as good as the stuff he did in, uh, in in WWF. As we move on, you know, we have Shawn Michaels, Jake the Snake Roberts, one individual who, in my opinion, I feel like, and you might disagree with me on this. This this might be a good debate for the two of us. That makes the naughty list is your boy right. Bret Hart. From 1997, when he turned his back on the United States of America because he felt that the United States of America turned their back on him. I've told you this before. I was the only uh, kid in the crowd chanting Canada. Yeah. Yeah. That was just, you know, if they were, they, they were never healed to me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, that's more or less, I blame Sean for that. That's what it, Do you blame Sean for that? Well, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying about him being the... He's the naughty one in that circumstance. I still can't see Brett. He he did do a few dastardly things, but it was all pushed because of Because Sean. of the issues with Sean? Yeah. I just remember... But I do get where you're coming from. I do. It wasn't so much that he turned his back on the United States. It was how he had, um, had acted following that. Um... One incident in particular, um, the Hart Foundation were, um, the Hart Foundation, he had formed the Hart Foundation, he had reunited with Owen and Davey Boy, Jim Neidhart came back, Brian Pillman was always a family friend and he was a part of the group, so the five of them were just kind of like wreaking havoc, but I'll never forget the one incident where um, Brett, to me, made the naughty list when he put his hands on Vince when he found out that Sean was going to be the referee for their match against Undertaker and he beat Vince up because that was when they were blurring the lines between is Vince the owner and Vince yes. is the, the the announcer and even as a teenager I knew and had an idea that Vince was just more than the announcer and I knew that he was the owner but I thought to myself why are you blaming Vince for 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 someone else, you know, for Shawn, you know, Shawn Michaels being put in the match. Why are you gonna beat up on Vince? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like Vince McMahon wasn't anything. Yeah, because we didn't know if he was the. Yeah, I mean, we the calls and stuff back then. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so I thought that was kind of like low class, you know, in, in my opinion, when it came to Bret Hart. And then I think Bret Hart kept his his residency on the naughty list when. He went to WCW, just in general. Yeah. And really did a whole lot of nothing over there. Yeah, and everything he... Now, that's where I would say, yeah, he belongs on a naughty list for just uh, 
the stuff that he had to go through to be in WCW. Not taking a paycheck from them, though, that's for sure. Because, I no. mean, I, wouldn't, I yeah. wouldn't say no to the money that they were giving him. But the fact that he went over there, like, I just thought, like... He looks... If you, like, look back at that stuff, he just... You, you look at him in WWF, and then you look at him at WCW, and you could see in his face that he was miserable. Yeah. He oh, you could. miserable. Yeah. And what, it was, I didn't, what I didn't understand about him over there was the amount of times they flip-flopped him back and forth from being a good guy to a bad yeah. guy, and then in the NWO. NWO like, yeah. that to me, I was like, he's like, Brett was like, and, and as much as I don't really care for him even now to this day, and, and I, you know, I'll give you another reason why I don't like Brett in a minute, and why he <laughs> definitely deserves to be on the naughty list, and this is some real-life shit, too. This is where I lost a lot of respect for him as a human being, but... Um, Brett, he was, you know, bigger than the NWO. He was a big name and a big yeah. deal. And I was like, why does he need to be in the NWO? The only reason I thought he could have been in the NWO is if he conspired with the NWO to get rid of Hogan. Like, to me, oh, I thought, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have been, that would have made sense for him to be in the NWO. But he was just like everyone else in the NWO behind Hogan, you know? And he was, like, in a way, like, you know, Hogan's lackey, you know? Yeah. But here's the one interesting thing about Brett when it came to the stuff with the NWO. When he was in the NWO with Hogan, not the NWO he did with Jarrett and the silver version, yeah. right? Which I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I thought that, no. that little elite group was kind of cool. I was watching that Monday. Uh, Nitro? Nitro, where they were like just wrecking havoc. It was him, Nash. Uh, Jarrett. I think it was Steiner in it? Steiner too? was in it too. Yeah, yeah. They spray painting the car, the silver. And I think, I don't know who they were. They might have been Goldberg. They yeah. Were, yeah, but it that, if they... They kept going with that. I think they they had something. There to was revive. something good with that. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Like I kind of dug that. People shit on Vince Russo for that, but and he's on this list too as well at some point. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of dug that. But, but the one thing I found interesting about Brett's time in the NWO when Hogan was the leader, Brett never wore an NWO shirt. Mm-hmm. Brett was always just Brett. And he would hang out with them, and he'd come out with them, and he didn't come out to NWO music. He had his own music, like so. People will officially say he was a part of the NWO, which he was. Yeah. But at that time, as a kid, as a teenager, I didn't think that he was he was like an ally to the NWO. He wasn't an official member. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he that's kind of like ran with them. Yeah, he yeah. was like a in the motorcycle world, he was like an NWO nomad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He, he kind of ran with himself. But here's why I think he stays on the naughty list for me. Okay, and this is some real life stuff here. Um. I've heard stories from individuals that have met him in person that over the years, as he's gotten older, um, he's been very bitter. But the one thing that really bothered me about him, where I lost a ton of respect for him as a, as a person, was just like a few days after Roddy Piper had died, was about a month before or a month after the announcement of the, of the leaked uh, tape with Hogan, with the racial slurs. Yeah. When Ho- when that tape came out and Hogan lost his job with WWE, that, a, a month later, Piper dies. They interview Brett, okay? There was an interview. I don't know who it was, what podcast it was, or what, you know, publication. They interview Brett, and I, I read the transcript, and then I saw it, or I, I, I listened to it back on, like, YouTube somewhere a number of years ago. And the guy asked... Brett about Piper, a question about Piper. 
something about the history that they had and you know coming up together and all the all the history that the two of them had because on tv piper was like a cousin of the hearts or something like that yeah the, uh, i mean i i don't know where you're going with the story but like i just remember like seeing because I, obviously i follow um brett on social media uh-huh. and, like he's he, he um was like emotional and wrote emotional stuff yeah about yeah it. he was no he was i mean sure like a lot of people that were very close to piper were yeah. were, were upset you know it was, it was tragic you know what i mean like he died of a heart attack no one saw it coming but so the the guy asked brett some question about piper and brett didn't even answer the question he was like i bet hogan is happy that piper died so now all the heat is off of him for being a racist and I was oh, like, shit, I didn't know that. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> dude. Like, Where did he just come up and just say that? He just said it just like that. And I was like, whoa. Like, he was, Hogan's got nothing to do with the conversation. Like, how bitter are you about Hulk yeah. Hogan? Okay, you can have your issues with him. That's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not disputing that. But holy cow, man. Like, and then recently, um, they, uh, Eric Bischoff's podcast did a show on Brett. Yep. And, Brett has had some not so nice things to say about Eric Bischoff over the years, mm-hmm. and he has you know publicly blasted Bischoff in any way he can about you know being a cancer to the wrestling business, doesn't know what he's doing, this that and the other, and so when Bischoff hears all this, Bischoff accounts you know his versions of working with Brett and the situations that he dealt with with Brett in WCW and Brett didn't want to do certain things and Brett just wasn't you know the same person that he was from when he came over from the WWF and the screw job kind of affected him. I, and, yeah, I heard him talking about okay, that. Okay, and and so but Bischoff also was very blunt and straightforward about you know the things that brett was saying about him and bischoff fired back and brett didn't like it so what did brett do he went back and fired off on him on social media but you you talk all kinds of shit about him and anyone else that you don't like you know what i mean and then when someone gives it back to you you don't like it I, I just feel like this this sense of you know entitlement and you know the, the the negativity the bitterness I don't know if it's got to do with like head trauma over the years in wrestling but anytime you get an interview with Bret Hart it's always just negative negative yeah. negative negative to the point and, he, and and to the point where you know he just he he, he fought cancer and, yeah. and won one, one. you know what I mean yeah. and that's and that's awesome that he beat cancer. But cancer didn't seem to humble him. He's the same fucking no. guy he was no. before he was diagnosed with it. Because in most recent interviews, he's blasting just about anyone. He'll still yeah. talk. He'll still talk, talk about, about Montreal. Montreal. He still like, talks shit about Sean. And the only reason, in my, in my opinion, the only reason why he made he made Fent, in my opinion, this is how I, and I'm just a fan. I'm not saying I got any kind of inside knowledge, yeah. but the only reason why I feel like he made amends with Sean and he made amends with Vince. It's because he was getting a big fucking payday out of it. He wasn't going to go back and do that shit for free. Yeah. They made that DVD where they talked about their issues and all their bullshit. They put Stu in the Hall of Fame. He got over on Vince at that WrestleMania and beat the shit out of him in that match. Like, I, Brett was not doing that for nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? He no, was if you go back and, and you look, again, like, look at his face. He, when, he, when he hugged um, Sean, it just didn't look like it was... He wasn't satisfied. No, it wasn't. And... Everything you just said, even I'm the biggest Bret Hart. I love Bret Hart um, uh, as a fan, and I agree. He's just bitter. He's miserable. But then again, I was like laughing, and I, I, I'm, I'm almost the same way. It's just sometimes you go through stuff in your life that um, 
makes you like that. And I, I, I but the it. thing not, is, like I know, like I know, I could be like that at times. Um, but like, I'm sure you. you um, Everyone goes through moments, yeah. and they and they and they. they but I don't they do that. You know, you don't do, you don't do that. You don't carry that with you all the time. Yeah, you know, yeah, your certain times you want to be your miserable self. Go ahead, but in what Brett, every interview, anything, even when he come the last time he was at uh, WWE when he came out with um, uh, Natalia. It was uh-huh. the last time he was on TV. I don't right? remember, but yeah. But he was just walking around ringside, looking like he was miserable. Yeah, that's just how Brett is. So it's it's unfortunate, you know. A lot of people think of him as a hero, this, that, and everything, and he's just a decrepit, miserable man now. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 sad because I res- I I and I don't take away his contributions to the industry, yeah. what he brought to wrestling, his his popularity. None of that. I don't. I, I enjoyed watching him when I was a kid. You know, I wasn't Brett wasn't my number one at that time, but I always liked watching Brett. But because of how he's made himself out to be and how he's portrayed himself publicly in the public eye in the last few years, I have a hard time like respecting yeah, him as right, a person. You. you know what I mean? And that's why I feel like in real life as a human being Motherfucker, Santa Claus ain't coming to your house and giving no. you any more pink shades. Yeah. Like you're getting a lump of coal, you know what? And and I and I don't give a shit. So, Bret Hart is <laughs> Bret Hart is definitely on the naughty list, so to speak. Give me someone else and why they made Santa Claus's naughty list in wrestling history. Uh, let's go way back. Let's go to um, Andre turning on Hogan. Yes. Okay. Let's elaborate continue well when he you know andre has always been andre and then for him to just uh turn at hogan during that um that interview rip off the uh his um the cross the cross and just like see it, the, the pain and and hurt in hogan's face and then you know everybody loved andre because he was andre and then actually having an andre heel and for him actually to finally be healed was the only way he got that he got the title yeah it's, I mean, uh, you, you know, that moment, that moment gets talked about a lot, especially like around like WrestleMania time, WrestleMania season, because it led to such a big match. And that match really, it, with that event, like put wrestling in mainstream. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if WrestleMania 3 wasn't that successful, wrestling might not have been as popular. It might not be it, where it is. Yeah, today. exactly. I mean, you, you know, might not be talking about this. Yeah. And so. What people, you know, I'll give it to you. Andre definitely deserves to be on the naughty list. Um, you know, he had a lot of influence from Bobby the Brain Heenan, who was there to to, to to get in his ear and turn on Hogan. But here's one component that I think gets overlooked a lot when it comes to that moment. Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura was a commentator at that time. He would commentate Wrestling Challenge with Gorilla or Vince. He would do Saturday Night's Main Event, whatever the case may be. Jesse Ventura in commentary, he was a, he was a bad guy commentator. He was a heel, but he particularly stuck it to Hogan a little bit more. Okay, he he he, he always rode the, the the baby faces real hard and gave him a lot of shit. But Hogan, he was just a little bit extra yeah. nastier with. Ventura was a commentator at the time. He got on Piper's pit and told Piper, "You bring Hogan next week. 
outproduce Andre the Giant. Jesse Ventura was the one that was really he was instigating that. He yeah, was the one that yeah. instigated that whole thing. Yeah, if you go back and you watch some of that, he was like, Piper, you bring Hogan, I'll produce Andre. And Ventura showed up with Andre, and when Hogan saw Heenan, everyone was like, huh? Like, yeah. what the fuck? And yep. then you were off to the races at that point. But Ventura, I don't think gets enough credit for being a part of that and helping make that moment. And if anything, even as a kid, I remember my dad saying, like, Hogan needs to get his hands on Jesse Ventura. It was Jesse Ventura that really yeah. started all that. You know, my dad never watched wrestling. He'll watch it with me from time to time when we were yep. kids. But like, I remember specifically when that happened, my dad was like, why didn't Hogan deck Jesse Ventura? Because Jesse was such a dick. Yeah, he's, so he was in the... Uh, he, you think about it like that. He's in the back instigating. He's one of the stars. Yeah, the he was the one that stu- He was the one that started it. Yeah. I mean, but pretty much like stuff that again that uh, Jerry King Lawler would do in the future with a lot of people between you know what Brett and anybody that was he was going against Brett. You know because they had that little feud going. Um, Michael Cole in the past few years. Oh, when he turned heel. Yeah. Oh, so you, so you're trying to, so what you're saying is you're like you're people, comparing like Ventura yeah. to like the other heel commentators. Well, no, yeah, people got that from Ventura then, you know. Yeah. Look at that what's the biggest uh heel one of the biggest heel turns, one of the biggest moments in wrestling history is what we're talking about and obviously Ventura. Learn, yeah. He yeah, he he kind of set the table for that. That's not yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good way. That's definitely a good way of putting it. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it you could say Andre's residency on Santa Claus's naughty list continue as he, like you said, he won the title. He beat Hogan, but he beat Hogan with another from with help from another individual that definitely, 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 if he's anywhere on that naughty list, he's close to the top. And I'm talking about the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. How evil of a person can you be? You have to buy people off with, with money to get what you want in wrestling. He tried to buy the WWF championship from Hulk Hogan. I mean, he paid off a referee to look like another referee Mm -hmm. so that Andre could beat Hogan on Saturday night's main event and become the WWF champion, which set up, you know, the the WrestleMania 4 tournament. I mean, and and here's the funny thing about that. I was was talking about this with someone recently. Logically speaking, DiBiase and Andre screwed Hogan out of that title. They paid off that referee. The twin referee, yeah, which was you know uh, the other Hebner brother in the storyline, and Hogan lost the title and he was screwed. Why didn't and and then DiBiase ended up becoming the champion because of it. Yeah. Totally then bad. why did Jack Tunney and the World Wrestling Federation award Andre and DiBiase with a spot in the tournament at WrestleMania four yeah. after they just screwed Hogan for the belt? Yeah. At, at 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 five or six years old, I didn't understand it, mm-hmm. but now I'm looking back and I'm like. That shouldn't that shouldn't even be possible. Yep. You know what I mean? And and think about all the other things that DBS. So wait, if did. it was uh, today's booking, how that would how would that have happened then? What do you mean? Like if like today, like if you they did that same storyline, it off of uh, Ambrose and uh, I don't know. So who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? So you Rollins saying, and Ambrose. Rollins and Ambrose. Yeah. So if let's say DiBiase was back in Ambrose and yeah. he paid a referee yep. to screw. Rollins um, out, yeah. To Rollins and yep. Ambrose wins the title. Yeah, but 
Um, but he still hands it to DiBiase. Yeah, and DiBiase obviously you know he's still an active wrestler, and now uh, let's just use Kurt Angle as a um, Kurt Angle's a GM. GM. Okay. And, and he creates a tournament, strips you know strips the titles, and no, this can't happen. I'm taking the title. Creates a tournament. They he'd still be in it. Yeah. No, yeah, he they, would. They'd still he be would, in yeah, it. They, yeah. Yeah. They put Ambrose in it, and they yeah. put DiBiase in it if he was in it too. No, so that's it's a good just point because you're not. That's your top. You're, you're, you need those top heels, guys to yeah. me, yeah. So that's why I was just coming. I wanted to see. No, if no, that's picked, a, yeah. no. I like that. I like that yeah. approach that you just you just brought there. But yeah, I mean, think about all the other things. DiBiase did deserve to be on the naughty list. He bought Sapphire mm-hmm. from Dusty Rose. Sweet Sapphire, baby. Yeah, we with my sweet Sapphire going. She went on a cruise. She got a cruise <laughs> around the world. A mink coat, a diamond ring. I don't know what's going on with Sweet Sapphire, baby. But you know, I gotta get to the bottom of this. And then, of course, it was DiBiase. That's a real good uh, Dusty impersonation. I I, I, I try. Very I try. Good. Thank you very much. I I, that's right, baby. I try. I'm Dusty Rhodes. I'm in public, if you will. That's right, baby. I'm a coupon clipping, Copenhagen spitting, baby. That's right, baby. I'm making dreams of the road. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he bought Sapphire. Um, well, what about his treatment of Virgil? Yeah. Virgil. Picked that the fungus out of my toes, cleaned that, the dirt off my boots. That wouldn't um, go too well in a oh, WWE. Oh, oh, right oh, yeah, no, that does not age well for, for no. sure. Uh, that, that, that's <laughs> that's an understatement. What about when would, he uh, paid the kid to dribble a basketball and have um, Virgil kick it out from he underneath? He kicked the ball, yeah. yeah. That definitely, he, he that deserves was, some coal for that. Did you ever see the video of the live event? Where he picked the kid out of the crowd and he took his boot off and the kid kissed his foot and that kid it's was RVD. Rob Van Dam. Yeah, that's wild, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, that's unfortunately that those things and the 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 motive behind that being the money. That's no different than what people would do today. Yeah, people do all kinds of crazy shit for money. Yep. you know what I mean. That that's never changed. That's been that that's been done since the beginning of time. If you if you really think about it, so um, DiBiase and Andre are right up there on the. Uh, well, DiBiase is definitely at the top of the naughty list. Oh, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean with his treatment of Virgil, and then uh, I think after that, like I think after the stuff he did with Virgil. I think that's when he like moved more into a tag team, and he wasn't really yeah, wasn't money, doing all he that. He wasn't, yeah, he, he he wasn't um that he really wasn't top heel. He really he he went to a mid card heel. He was, yeah, he was older. You know, injuries piling up. Yeah, so kind of scaled back a little yeah. bit. But yeah, no, DiBiase for sure, just because he's a he's a, a a greedy son of a bitch. You, you want to hear an interesting story? Because I I uh, while we're in the subject of the DiBiase, so. Um, I listen to Bruce Pritchard podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, they did a story on they did a um, a show on DiBiase, and Vince went to DiBiase and tried to sign him, and DiBiase's like, "Well, what am I going to be doing?" He's like, "I can't tell you what your gimmick's going to be until you sign, because if I tell you, then you can go take this and go somewhere else." And so he's like, "You got to trust me." So DiBiase signed, and then they told him that he was going to be the million dollar man and they were going to do all these things with him and he had to and at that time you lived your character out in public so you had to appear like you were you know rich and all that other stuff so he would carry around a lot of petty cash and sometimes vince would tell him like don't do this too often but if you're in a restaurant someone recognizes you you cover the tab with everyone. I'll give you like three grand in cash, and you just cover. Yeah, Vince was, but Vince was doing all that, right? But yeah. it was Vince yeah. that was pulling all the strings. Yeah. So anyhow, long story short, 
Bruce Pritchard and Vince are on a flight somewhere and they're sitting in first class and this was back then in airplanes when you're allowed to smoke cigarettes and there was a guy sitting in the either the same aisle or the same row with vince and he was smoking a cigarette and vince asked him to put out the cigarette because he hated cigarette smoke and the guy was like no he was like i'll give you 50 bucks the guy's like no I'll give you 100 bucks he's like no he's like god damn it pal i'll give you 500 dollars if you put that cigarette out right now the guy put the cigarette out vince hands him the money bruce looks at him he goes jesus christ i've got it figured out now you're the real million dollar man yeah this is this yep. is what dibiase's character is behind you're the million dollar man and vince was just like yep uh-huh mm-hmm. uh-huh and that was the end i of heard that. i've heard that you've heard that story before no not that story but i've heard the story about that uh, he Vince McMahon came up with that character as, yeah. as and, and basically, if you think about it, it's him with the McMahon character. Yeah. Oh, Mr. McMahon is the million dollar man. Yeah, no, and and another individual who definitely deserves to be oh, on Santa Claus's Vince. naughty list. Yeah, yeah. think about yeah. it. All the things he's done behind the scenes, allegedly, but you know his character on camera. I mean, screwing Brett. That definitely deserves to be on. That, that, that's probably the number one reason why he's been put on the naughty list. Because if he didn't screw Brett, the Mr. McMahon character would have really never came about. Yep. But all the stuff he did to Stone Cold and his... Da- to, um, to, it was me, Austin. It was yeah. me. Ah, ah, ah. When he sacrificed Stephanie to the Ministry yep. of Darkness. Yeah. Yep. And, and, in and Harvard. In Harvard. That's right. <laughs> I was at that Raw. Yes. That was the very first Monday Night Raw I ever attended. Really? Yeah. Yep. Very first one. Very first time I went to wrestling on TV. Oh, was at that, that show. Yeah. yeah. In in April of 1999, the night after Backlash. Yeah, because it was, I don't know, it wasn't that too much longer after that that we met each other, right? Or A couple of years later, probably yeah. a year or two later maybe at that point. Yeah, about yeah. like a year or so later. Um, but yeah, I mean, think about it. Let's, let's talk about Vince here for a minute, you know? Definitely, definitely, definitely not just the million dollar man. But no. All Mr. the stuff McMahon. he's done to women over the years. Oh, just yeah. Just what he did to Trish. Bark like a dog. Oh, my God. Yeah, but, I mean, the way she was looking in there. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. So we we looked past that. Yeah, we, yeah. But then that's another thing that wasn't that long ago, but would not even be a, attempted today. What? The, the, him having Trish bark like a dog? Anything. Any way he's, like, the, the, the way he my object- ass club or any of that type of stuff. Yeah. You know? Well, the, I mean, the, the kiss my ass club, you could... You could kind of get away with that still, I think. I feel like they could... If he didn't pull down his pants all the way and shove his bare yeah, ass and yeah. you kissed him, like, you yeah. know, on his underwear or whatever, like, I think you could get away with that. But, like, the objectifying women and, like, making them get down and take their clothes off and park like a dog. Kissing somebody kissing a different diva every week. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, for sure, you know, all the all the adultery that Vince committed on television over the years. Yeah. And, or when he used to make out with Trish in front of Linda while Linda was in the wheelchair. Or drug, wait, who was it that was drugging Linda? It was Vince. It was Vince. It was there Vince that was doing it. Because she went into a depression after he told her he wanted a divorce. Yeah. After Linda was the one that booked that six-man Hell in the Cell match that you yeah. were, that you talked about on our last episode. Yep. yep. Armageddon. Yep. At Armageddon. Armageddon 2000, the six-man Hell in the Cell. Linda booked it, and Vince hated it, so he said, I want a divorce! And then... She was so depressed, he drugged her up, and then he was making out with Trish in front of her, and they'd yep. wheel her out in a wheelchair in the middle of the ring. And, and she stands up, yeah. That's and when, WrestleMania, uh, when yeah. Trish went 
she turned face, right? Yeah, Tr- yeah, Trish turned. Yeah, Trish turned because Vince made her bark like a dog, and yep. then she ended up being part of the the plan all along to help Shane win the match mm-hmm. that, at that WrestleMania. But um, give me someone else that you think deserves to be on Santa Claus's naughty list, and why? I had mentioned this before we started, but uh, let's bring it to now. Um, to date something to that's the, happening yeah, uh, to date, Dean Ambrose on the night of all nights. To turn heel and backstab uh, Seth Rollins after, you know, Finding the big dog, what happens to Roman Reigns and his uh, uh, leukemia. That's definitely something that needs to be put on the naughty list. Oh, for, for sure. Now, let me ask you this. Were you offended by that, that it happened on that nope. night? Okay. I thought it was, you know, at being a wrestling fan and knowing, and, and the thing is, if uh, could, could Eddie... Of said um, yes to what happened with um, Randy Orton and um, Rey Mysterio. Mysterio. Oh, when he well, said that Eddie was in hell. in hell, yeah. Eddie didn't couldn't say that, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure um, they asked Vicky. Yeah, she must have gave her blessings. So I don't see any of them doing any of that without getting blessings. Same thing with um, CM Punk and um, uh, Paul Bearer, Paul Mooney. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. William Moody. Yep. When he did all that stuff after he died, yeah. when he was going to face Undertaker at that WrestleMania. So I mean, as long as you're getting some type of uh, okay from the family or that wrestler himself, then you know Roman, I'm sure, is go with it because they keep mentioning it and mentioning it and mentioning it. So he I, I okay heard that it. he did give the go ahead yeah. and be like, "Yeah, if you want to use it as a part of the story, I'm all for it." Um, I think people are there's a, we live in a society where were very oversensitive about yes. things. Um, this is like that that move right there with Ambrose turning on Rollins the night that Roman Reigns, their shield partner, announces that in real life he's battling cancer and he needs to leave is an attitude era type move. Oh, yeah. That is something that people in the attitude era would have thrived off of and the fan base have been like, oh, my God. They would have eaten it up. Yep. Today's fan base, they ate it up, but they were still like, offended oh, by Oh, my God. It. No. They were like, yeah. Like, I was like, are you kidding me? It's a TV show. Yeah, that's... Like, that's what people, I think, forget, well, too. Well, you got to think about in the last, let's see, the last 10 years, how many um, big heel turns do you remember? You're going to remember that one. Oh, yeah. You will sure. remember that one. And, and think about and, and, and think <laughs> about this. Someone who, you know, Ambrose, who you know, who we turned on, Seth Rollins, just a few years prior. Someone who definitely probably should make this naughty list as well. Seth Rollins turning on his brothers yeah. in the Shield and no. joining the Authority. No one saw that coming. Nope. You know what I mean? Nobody saw that coming at the time because the night before they demolished Evolution and were basically like the kings of Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. and in WWE at that time. And then Rollins turns his back on both of them. I mean, I'm I'm guessing that that's and at that time when they we were thinking about okay who would be the person to break up the shield we never thought it was going to be Rollins oh, we no. always thought it was going to be Re- yeah Ambrose or Reigns too yeah. I, I, I thought it was one of those two I didn't think it was Rollins well, everybody, you, you could think it was Reigns because everybody knew he was destined for a push yeah he's the golden yeah. boy yeah out of the three but yeah no that's a good one I mean think you know Ambrose and the moment that he um, you know he turned on Rollins I loved I'll say this it was it was, it was very well done because it, it got the 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 biggest amount of impact from the fans on a night where their emotions were kind yeah. of twisted up to begin with. Earlier in the night, you're crying and you're you're 
you're worried at the end of the night. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. So you're going. So I think it was perfectly done. Like, not. All right. Let me just put it to you this way. He gives the announcement. Everyone, like you said, everyone's crying and emotional. Then they do the interview. And it's like we're going to dedicate this match to Roman. Then they go into the match, they win. It's like, yeah, they yeah. did it for Roman, and then boom, they took it away from you like that. I was like, I didn't see that coming. I it's never think... happened when you win a title is when you lose the title. And that was titles. the other thing I said to someone too. They were like, why would he turn on Rollins after they won? I'm like, but that's the beauty of it is that it like happened. he don't care. He didn't give a shit. Yeah. If you go on the network, I watched it recently. It was okay, but I watched that Dean Ambrose Chronicle, and um, they chronicled his return from just a week before SummerSlam to the night that he turned on Rollins. Oh, okay. And so it's like a half-shoot, half-work kind of presentation where, like, you're starting to see the subtle buildup of his turn, and then eventually, boom, he turns. But, like, it's kind of like – it's presented like it's a real, you know, like, behind-the-scenes look, yeah. but there's some character nuances of him in that piece. Speak on that. I know it's a little off-subject, no, no, no. but – um. What do you think of like uh, them, especially? Um, I don't know if it's Corey. I think it's Corey Graves always asking um, Renee. Renee, um, what do you know about this? Like, I like it. Do you like? You that? know why? Yeah. Because Brings if realism. nobody addressed it, people would be like, "Why didn't they ask his wife? She works at the at You're the true. broadcast table." Yep. You know what I mean? That I, I think that's great. So that they're they killing the elephant in the room. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's been situations where like I mean. We can get information so easily these days on the internet and social media. Everyone knows the two of them are married. Yeah, that's like back in the day with uh, 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 the king and uh, Christopher, Christopher, his son, Brian yeah. Christopher. Yeah. yeah, everyone knew they were related, but yeah. they tried to play it off like yeah. there was no relation. Yeah, you know, it was a running joke at times. But I, I I'm glad they are they're acknowledging it that they're at yeah. least making mention of it because if they didn't say anything you know how many people would be all over them yeah, they, uh, yeah. I think it's one of the situations where they knew they had to at least incorporate her into some of the talking points during that story my question is is are they going to are they going to do more with her in it is it going to come to a point where she's going to get involved even more and either she knows something or she doesn't know anything. So listen to this, I don't, I don't, Anthony. If you chime in on this, where did where did Donnie hear? So Donnie comes up. He's like, "Do you know why Dean Ambrose um, turned heel?" Your other son, right? Yes, my other son. Okay. So he go. I'm like, no. I'm just. Well, what did you hear? Because these guys are on, you know, they read YouTube all stuff and all too, that yeah. stuff. So he's like, um, and he my my uh, youngest is eight years old. So okay. He really doesn't understand stuff. So he says that um. Rollins um, slept with, with not he didn't say it in that but that's what he, he fooled was around yeah, with her that, um, I saw something che- like that, that. Um, she cheated on, on him with Rollins that's what he told me yeah I saw some I saw like a little post on that on social media I think that was I, I think that was directed more as a joke yeah um, but however someone came up with a good possibility as to why Ambrose turned on Rollins the night that Reigns announced the cancer announced the that he had cancer yeah um that um he had to break apart the shield because basically it was he turned on Rollins because he had to break the shield up because Reigns was going through this and he and he couldn't handle his he couldn't handle his brother 
going through this life-threatening disease, and he needed to, he needed to be the one to kill off the shield. Yeah, that was an idea that it wasn't officially rumored by any of the dirt sheets, but somebody brought it up in like a message board. I was like. That's not a bad idea, like from a psychological standpoint, and, yeah. and really tap into like the, the that, lunatic yeah. nature of the Dean Ambrose character. But I think that's or a great. That's just that's real life. Yeah, I want. Let me. I don't. Oh, this is hard. My best friend's sick. Suck, uh, let me do this to get yeah. away from that. Yeah, and that's like he can't people, handle yeah. that his friend was. He's going put himself this. into a bubble. Yeah, I mean, it's it it, it would. It would be an, an interesting dynamic, that's for sure. But no, Ambrose is a great name to put on the on the naughty list. Someone present day, um, an obvious uh, member of Santa Claus's naughty list over the years in professional wrestling, um, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan turning his back on all of his fans in '96 to join Bash the NWO. The Bash at the beach. Let's talk a little bit about that. Give me your thoughts on. Hulk Hogan turning on well, we know Macho that, Man. That is, shadow of a doubt, the biggest heel turn in You think it's the best history. one? Uh, yes. Yeah. There's, there's never, I mean, unless Cena, the most unless Cena turns heel, there will never be another uh, a better one. Better one like that. And at the, even if Cena turns heel, it has to be done right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, it's, that's the best heel turn. You know which one, you know, I, again, we're... Going to where we're talking about Ambrose, but um, I'm a fan of this uh, um, Daniel Bryan heel turn. They did, they did it really good. I'm kind of digging it too. Um, I didn't understand. It was so random how they put him yeah. in the spot. Yeah. But the other night when he came out and he looked like a hippie with the sweater and he called himself the new Daniel Bryan, and I was like, and you think about it too, the like yes movement is dead. And you think about it too, like his in real life and his and and within storyline, his character, him as a person, has gone through a roller coaster of emotions yep. behind the scenes from you know retiring people not thinking he's good enough to be in the position he's in to then fighting to get to that spot to finally get in that main event and winning the title for him to get hurt to come back to then get hurt again to have to retire and then you know now he comes back like he has been up and down on that roller coaster that like his character at some point was bound to 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 explode yeah you know what i mean and 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 reach its breaking point and i felt like even though the way they got to it didn't make a whole lot of sense because it was so random that paul Heyman just name dropped him and all of a sudden you had a title match between the two yeah i thought from survivor series the match with brock and then his promo he did recently i was like i can get behind this almost like he's like a cult leader. Have you ever now? You ever yeah. heard the story of David Koresh in no. in Waco, uh, Texas? Sounds because I know you like those crime shows. Yeah, like, yeah, right. yeah. So yeah. if you if you ever hear you ever go on like you can YouTube it or whatever. David Koresh was a cult leader in Waco, Texas, and he had women and children and other people in this like compound that he created, and he basically held them all hostage. Um, Are you talking about the um, Kool Aid stuff? 
well, I mean, they were drinking some kind of Kool-Aid, yeah. I'm sure. But, yeah. like, he had, like, a he had like a real, like, cult. And, like, the federal authorities had to get involved. And it, they, they call it the, the, the Waco incident. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. If you about. ever look yeah. at yep. So, I fe- he wrote, David Koresh was one of those guys that, like, <clears throat> Bubba Ray Dudley said that Paul Heyman is the David Koresh of professional wrestling where he could, like, take a guy and he could talk him into doing anything. Yeah. David Koresh was an individual that could do that to his followers and they would do anything. They would fight, you know, anybody for him. Mm-hmm. I feel like they won't expand to that level with Daniel Bryan, but I think there's potential for this new Daniel Bryan character to 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 be this very dark, twisted, cult-like hippie type of leader you know what i mean i think it's something that has some legs and i'm glad that it was done um yeah no i i totally agree i'm looking forward to it i hope he has a long title reign and that match was amazing with brock it was good it was really good at the beginning i was like i and i i I told you this before a lot of times now it doesn't matter if it's a regular uh, monday or tuesday show or if it's pay-per-view i usually i'm falling asleep during wrestling nothing or I'm on my phone and I started falling asleep and I had like one eye open after that first uh, suplex and I was like oh god what what just happened he's done yeah he's, he's and just the way he played it and the way he sold for, yeah for and then the way Lesnar sold for him yeah no, it was good yeah, stuff. It was just, you know, for me to watch it like that, and it was just, it was. In really the beginning, good. when I was watching that match, I was like, Jesus, like, can he be a little careful? This yeah. dude's got like a bunch of, like, he's fucking throwing him around like crazy. I'm like, my God, like, and then it was like, it was one of those situations. I'm 35. I would like to think I know a little bit when it comes to wrestling because I've watched it long exactly. enough. And I'm watching, and I'm like, is he really hurt? Yep. Like, is it, is it, like, look Usually at that look I on his tell, face. And I couldn't tell. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. You same with me. And I was like, whoa, what the heck? And then it got to the point where I was like, this is another Brock match. Like, he's just going to throw somebody around, bounce somebody around. It's going to be the end of it. Like, he's just going to have his way with him. I was like, and it was kind of like, all right, we've seen this before. Not that I was going to turn the TV off because yeah. I was at a friend's house, but yeah. I was like, this is ridiculous. And what really puzzled me, too, is that, Daniel Bryan just turned on AJ Styles a few days prior, just turned heel. Brock is an ultimate heel. He's a mega heel. Some people say he's a very indifferent kind of character. He can kind of play both. Yeah. But Brock is Brock. But I was like, Brock is. how could you not make Brock the heel in this situation? And I was like, how is Daniel Bryan going to be as this new heel against Brock? Yeah. And it worked out very well. Yeah. I was like impressed. I was like, "Wow!" Like, he kept that psych on us at the end, where he was smiling and yeah. yeah. No, it was really cool. It was really cool. All right, let's uh, let's get a little bit back on track here. But um, I Hogan, mean, yeah, Hogan, yeah, yeah. So for him to turn his back on his fans and the company, the biggest heel move ever, and definitely a, a sack of coal for him. Yeah. And then everything you know, just look at what NWO did to WCW. Yeah, we're not talking. I'm not talking about behind the scenes or any of that. I'm just talking about like uh, on Nitro TV, yeah, yeah characters, yeah, kicking people out of the commentary. Um, well, I mean, I, uh, Hogan didn't do it himself, but uh, he perpetrated a, the whole yeah, situation. Throwing a little Rey Mysterio like a dart into the um, <laughs> wall there. What about what? Here's an interesting one. Um, the uh, well, obviously, what he did to Sting's character. 
Sting went from being like, you know, the surfer, yeah. bleach blonde, Ooh, God, yeah. you know, different color, you know, face paint and trunks all the time to being this dark brooding, crow. you know, and end up becoming the crow. And that was because of Hogan and the NWO perpetrating and trying to um, damage Sting's credibility to the fans of WCW. I mean, that, you know, in a sense, Hogan, that's probably, to me, the the Hollywood Hulk Hogan run in WCW as the leader of the NWO, that was probably the worst thing he did was basically transform Sting by trying to ruin him with the WCW fans. And but look what came out of it. Yeah. Sting became this huge name, you know, by changing his look up and changing his demeanor and changing his presence on television to eventually coming back and getting that match with Hogan at Starcade and winning the belt. So, I mean, Hogan, as evil as he was, the Hollywood Hogan character was, at that time, he also created a new life for Sting in some regards. Because Sting, you know, was kind of getting a little stale and played out with the... What they say he saved that NWO saved WCW for at least a little bit of time. Yeah, for, for a short period of time, yeah. Here's an individual who was in the NWO that definitely deserves to be on the naughty list, both behind the scenes and in front of the camera, Eric Bischoff. Bischoff. Eric Bischoff, a slime ball, a scumbag. I mean, in real life, Bischoff and Flair had a lawsuit with Turner and WCW. Flair almost didn't come back because of issues that, that Bischoff had with him. Mm-hmm. Behind the scenes, Bischoff at times was corrupt with power. Um, listening to his podcast, though, and I've, I've always felt like Bischoff has gotten a bad rap over the years for the things that he's contributed to wrestling in a positive way you know cruiserweights and what he did with monday nitro and you know how wrestling was produced at that time like he created a lot of things that you see today in today's wrestling on monday nights with wwe but um i'll give bischoff credit when it comes to his podcast conrad's pretty good at calling him on his bullshit if Conrad tells him, like, hey, man, like, what the hell were you thinking doing this? Bischoff will either be like, you know what? That wasn't the best move to make at the time. I, I shouldn't have done that or I wasn't thinking yeah. or whatever. Or Bischoff will have a pretty constructed excuse or reason behind why he did it. And it will kind of make sense. Even though the execution was poor, I'd be like, you know what? Okay. I understand why he did it, even though it didn't co- it didn't work out the way he had hoped. I understand why, you know. So I feel like he gets a bad rap um, because of other things with his reputation, so to speak, when it comes to uh, his tenure in professional wrestling. If there's one Bischoff moment that I feel like is that epitomizes him as an evil character, do you remember that Nitro where? We kind of brought it up earlier where how, like, the NWO took over the broadcast set. Mm-hmm. And Bischoff was with Hall and Nash. And was right after Hall and Nash lost the titles to the Steiners at that, that, uh, that sold-out pay-per-view, that NWO sold-out pay-per-view. And they took over the, the, the broadcast set on Nitro. And uh, Bischoff fired referee Randy Pee-wee Anderson because Pee-wee Anderson from WCW took a gift and and most corporations you can't accept gifts yeah i guess back then i don't know what it's like now but um it's like a no-no so they use that excuse as to he took a gift of a ticket to go to an event and then he interjected himself counted the one two three so that the steiners go in so he fired randy anderson 
couple weeks later, same shtick. NWO on the broadcast set, Hall, Nash, and Bischoff. This time, Randy Anderson brings Family. his wife and his kids with him. And they're like, please, Mr. Bischoff, hire my dad back. We need our job, blah, blah, blah. And... Bischoff, you know, turns the chair around and he's kind of like looking down at them and he was like, you know, what are your names again? And I forget the kids' names. And he's like, can you please tell your daddy that he's still fired? And like Hall and Nash like burst out laughing. First of all, I thought that was one of the funniest moments ever. But yeah, that definitely... But think Like you just like, you went to his kid and you know, both of his kids. And another incident too, I just, it just came upon me when um hogan and bischoff together were like taunting piper in front of his kid you remember that yeah and they like smacked the shit out of piper and piper told his kid he was like it's okay daddy's gonna take care of this and then the place went nuts and piper beat the shit out of hogan and bischoff yep excuse me yeah i mean that was one of those uh that was one of those situations where i was like wow what a scumbag eric bischoff is but um yeah definitely a a, a resident on the uh the the kicking naughty out list. it to naughty list santa's naughty list if you will here on kicking out it too and like i said if you guys know of anyone or think of anyone in wrestling history past and present who deserves to be on santa claus's naughty list hit us up on social media facebook.com forward slash kicking out it too if you have not already hit that like button and join all the interactive discussions over there. We got links to the show, pictures, videos, debates. Same thing on Twitter. Our handle is at KickingOut2, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two. You can do all that same fun stuff over on Twitter, but just 140 characters or less, unfortunately. Um, as we continue the naughty list discussion, uh, let's let's talk about an individual that you know Bischoff tormented during his time as the figurehead president for WCW. I'm talking about rick flair who definitely has a residency on the naughty list on a number of levels uh let's let's get into it my man so i would put him on the naughty list with uh back more or less in the the horseman days because when he was just you know running everything and getting away with murder yeah um when he turned when you thought he was you know becoming a good guy and he turned on uh Sting when Sting was in the Horseman. Yeah. Oh, oh you, are you talking about um, the hollow? Are you talking about when it was when Sting first wrestled Flair for the title? Or are you talking about when Flair was supposed to tag with yes, Sting yeah, that, against Pillman yeah, and yeah, Anderson? Yep, that moment. Oh yep. my God! Nobody saw that coming. Yeah. No. And then just for him, just come and then just. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was that's it's classic Flair. Yeah, but if you think about it, like let's, this is how evil and cocky his character was at that time. He was him and Arn were were, were going up against each other, and we kind of talked about it a little bit on our yeah. Bridesmaid Never yep. Bride episode. You know the, the 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 possibilities of where that could have gone, but he was up against it with Arn, and Arn had Pillman on his side, mm-hmm. and. Flair had gone to Sting, someone he knew that was capable of being a good partner for him. But I'll never forget it. Sting said to him, Flair brought a bunch of like little Sting fans in the ring with their face paint. And Sting said to him, he goes, if you screw me, I'm going to get you. And I was like, well, f- there's no way Flair's going to screw Sting. Sting's going to kill him. Yeah. And then he did it. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, man. Like, But the way it was done. like, it was, Yeah, it was yeah. 
Here's another here's another reason why Ric Flair deserves to make Santa Claus's naughty list. WrestleMania eight and the build up to WrestleMania eight oh, with those with, pictures uh, in the magazine yep. with Elizabeth and I thought that man. Then, I thought that was a hundred percent true. I'm like, how do they I didn't know about Photoshop and all that yeah. back then. I was like I, I was like, Oh my god, how is it? or or that would actually put um her on a naughty list, but obviously, you know, coming out that was all photoshopped and was fake. But yeah, that that definitely um makes him end up on uh, Santa's naughty list. Well, I what I remember about that was that was um that was around the time when they were kind of changing things up for that WrestleMania. Originally, yeah. it was supposed to be Hogan and Flair, yep. and they they changed it to Hogan and Sid, and they made they named Savage the number one contender. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a beef with Flair at the time, but I remember coming home from school one day, and my dad was like, your new WWF magazine came in the mail, and you're never going to believe <laughs> what is in there. I'm like, what? He was like, there's pictures of Ric Flair. He used to be with Miss Elizabeth. And my father wouldn't really, like I said, he wouldn't get into it too much yeah, when it came yeah. to the wrestling. But he, he scoured the magazine before I even got home because it was out of the package because yep. <laughs> it used yep. to come in the clear package. Yep. And he and I was like, what? What are you talking about? Macho Man's been with Elizabeth forever. And I'm looking at these pictures. I'm like... Oh, my God. And then, like, my dad, you would have thought he was, like, a little kid. He's, like, over my shoulder. He's, like, see the towel? See the towel by the pool? The initials R and L, Rick and Liz. I'm, like, what? And for the longest time, like, until, like, they they announced it on TV that, like, those were doctored pictures, I was, like... How could she do that to Macho Man? Mm-hmm. I was like, this can't be true. I was like in disbelief. Yeah, me too. Me and too. what? But do you remember like how they hyped up that match where Flair and Bobby Heenan and Mr. Perfect were? They said they were going to produce the big centerfold of her yeah, naked on the video yeah, screen, yeah. and they never did. Yep. You remember that? Yep. Like that was pretty wild. I was like, or wasn't? Didn't something like supposed to be fold down and they didn't go? It went like halfway or something. Um, I don't, I just remembered that WrestleMania they said like they said that you know when or maybe Flair it was just won, a picture of her or something. it was going to be like a picture of her, yeah. but they never showed it. Yeah. At least at, at WrestleMania they didn't. I don't know if maybe they showed it later on the on another episode of like primetime wrestling or or whatever the case is. But yeah, I mean his stuff with the Horsemen, um, the stuff he did with Macho Man. Um, I mean Ric Flair was you know newer the, stuff helping out Charlotte. Yeah, in the. At, was uh, that WrestleMania? When she helped her, or when she? Uh... I don't know if he helped her win, or if he was just there on the outside to like, to like. Yeah, I think that's when he just he kissed like uh, Becky to, to maybe uh, distract her or something. Yeah, yeah. I forget yeah, exactly. That's what classic Ric Flair. Oh yeah, the, the, another you know the dirtiest player in the game. Yep. I mean, here's 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 one thing I thought that was. It just came to me again. And like I said, there's many reasons why Ric Flair would make Santa Claus's naughty list. But this one comes to mind where I thought it was like real. Like I thought this wasn't a story. This was real. Do you remember on Superstars of Wrestling, the commentary team was Vince, Savage, and Piper. And Savage had just been reinstated back into commentary. He had just returned because it was not too long after um, the SummerSlam incident with the King Cobra mm-hmm. and Jake the Snake, char- you know, uh, crashing the wedding. Yeah. So Savage comes back on that episode. It was just Piper and Vince, and Savage showed up late. I think it was like the last match, like the last fifteen minutes of the of the show. He came out and they did like this big announcement, and you know he was like playing it cool or whatever, you know, like because he was trying to get reinstated into in ring action to yes. face Jake this thing, so yeah. he couldn't do anything to yeah. ruin that. So Flair comes out 
And this was when he was doing the stick with the real world title. And he had the big gold belt from WCW. Yep. And he's getting in Piper's face. And he... That was when they had the commentary booth on that stage by, like, the back of the audience. Yep. It was never at ringside. Yep. And uh, so Flair comes out, and he's, like, getting in his face. Savage is just kind of off to the side. And Vince is like, whoa, 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 like, trying to break it up. But Flair just, like, he's just smacking Piper in the back of the head and just smacking Piper in the back of the head. So finally, the two of them go at it. And it gets physical, and he starts beating up on Piper. And I just remember as a kid, Flair's beating Piper, and yeah, because Macho Man was trying to get reinstated, you know, he couldn't really do anything. So yeah. he was like off to the side. I was like, why isn't Macho helping him? Vince gets involved, and Vince tries to break the whole thing up. They have other referees and officials out there, and Piper grabs one of those old wooden folding chairs, and he's so dis distorted from flair beating him up that he turns around and he nails vince in the back with a chair and knocks him out cold i don't remember you that. never saw no, that no, I don't, dude I, I, don't, th- I don't really remember anything ever happened with vince until brett dude yeah if you go youtube it yeah. like i think it was like it was on like superstars so you'd have to like youtube like Roddy Piper beats up Vince McMahon on WWE yeah, Superstar yeah, or something yeah. like that. And you'll see it. And I thought, like, oh, my God. Like, he hit Vince. Like, nothing happened like that before, yeah. ever. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, nobody ever put their hands on the announcers. But I was like, that son of a bitch. Like, as a kid, I was like, that son of a bitch, Ric Flair. Like, he's the reason why Piper did that. You know what yeah. I mean? Just like Flair was the reason why Hogan lost to Undertaker. And another situation we talked about it with DiBiase and and helping Andre with you know win the title yeah. flair caused the issues with caused the physical um, altercation with Hogan and Jack Tunney at this Tuesday in Texas even though Hogan won the belt Jack Tunney stripped him of the title but Flair was the one that really stirred that up and yeah. then they set up the Royal Rumble yeah. and Flair got a spot in the Rumble and won the fucking thing so I mean it, it's it's pretty wild um but yeah I mean there's plenty of reasons why we can put uh, Ric Flair on the, the naughty list boy. Yeah, nature boy. Woo! Dirtiest player in the game. Um, we just talked about him a little bit. Um, well, two guys that, that we just kind of talked about that could both make the naughty list at one point or another. Uh, Rowdy Piper. Yeah. Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. I mean, back in the day, you know, the early days of the WWF, um, he was he was as bad as they came. Like, they were... He he, he, he he ruined, you know, Uncle Elmer's wedding with Hillbilly Jim on a Saturday night's main event. He kicked Cindy Lauper, uh, his issues with Mr. T. I mean, Piper was as bad as they come. But then there's, you know, another guy who definitely, definitely, definitely made the naughty list, in my opinion, even though it was a very sad day for me as a fan, was, oh, yeah, macho man. Uh-huh. When the Mega Powers broke up and he beat Hogan. Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit, you know, give me some of your memories about, you know, uh, Randy Savage and, uh, you know, his, uh, his, uh, his his split from Hogan and the Mega Powers. Well, you know, Macho, how he, um, I'm ear, not behind, uh, yeah. um, how he treated, um, at that time, he was here, how he treated, um, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yeah. Yeah, definitely for, if you see, like, the classic, like, when he just, uh, tells her, oh, get up, get out. Yeah. And, and then, no, yeah. get back in here. Yeah. No, get out. Yeah. It's just the way he he treated her. That's, that that definitely makes him end up on naughty list. Um, he, and he was I, he he didn't he really wasn't um head and center, but when he was in NWO, he did a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, which is like all the the jumping in and 
and everything that was going you on. You remember the stuff with DDP? Yeah, that's not going to yeah. be. That's kind of what I was talking about. Yeah, right? when he spray-painted NWO on Kimberly. Yep. Yeah, yep. and they had the, the Playboy centerfold, and mm-hmm. they spray-painted NWO on the picture. Yep. And yeah. Now that was that was some pretty that was some pretty some mean and some nasty stuff. Give me someone else that makes Santa Claus's naughty list here on kicking out it too. Austin. All right. Yeah. Let's let's get I mean, into he's it. Not, Dive yeah. deep, man. Come Austin, on. I just um we, we had you had said it before about um uh, he um stunned Santa Claus. Yeah. What what other way are you gonna get on the um naughty list if you well look what you did you just stunned Santa Claus. Yeah, but how many people in that arena? Wanted to see Steve yeah. Austin on the naughty list. Well, that was just done Santa Claus. I think every at that time at the Attitude Era, everybody, including their fans, was on the naughty <laughs> <Yeah>. list. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because I think today's wrestling fans need to be on the naughty list. That's yeah, for sure. I mean, all the, all, they're on the annoying list. Yeah, the the, the crybabies yeah. and, and everyone that complains about everything yeah. and just bitches about you know they 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 micromanage and pick apart. Doesn't I mean, matter you know what happens. Look at you, Daniel Bryan's. Uh, Champion, he's a heel. He's, he, you know, he had a great match against uh, Lesnar, and people are still aren't happy. Yeah, they never. They're the new wrestling fans will never be happy. No, but yeah. Let's put let's let's add them to the list. Yeah, they awesome. definitely. Yeah, but uh, let's elaborate a little bit with Austin. You kind of brought him up and you know briefly touched upon it. Let's talk about you know his inclusion on the naughty list. Why? Why other than stunning Santa Claus to stone oh, cold well, Steve Austin this, make the naughty list? Uh, let's start off before. Um, he had that uh, great match with Brett where you know they both turned. Yeah. Um, prior to that, you thirteen, know, yeah. Him, him uh, running into Pillman's house. Yep. Um, the stuff there. He was just uh, whoever was around just helped stun anybody. He yeah. was the first one that was hitting referees. Vince, um, the stu- you know, all his stooges that were around. Um, Sergeant Slaughter. He, you know. Nobody was doing that stuff back then. Yeah. So, I mean, it turned out to where, you know, it made him to this mega, mega um, face. But all that stuff was all bad stuff that he was doing back then. Like the Pillman stuff, too. Like when he beat Pillman and broke his Let, ankle yeah. and then was like, I'm going to go to his house and I'm going to break, I'm going to crash the party with that crippled freak. Like, yep. and you didn't really think that something like that was going to happen. And then he did. And you were like, oh my God. Yeah. And then of course, you know, the gun and yeah. all of this stuff, which we actually, my wife and I did a, a watch along of that. I, it was a pilot episode. Uh, one of our very early episodes of kicking out of two. You can check that out in the sound and the uh, archive over at soundcloud.com where we cover uh, November the 4th I think right, of 1996 Monday Night Raw I want to say uh, Pillman's got a gun so go check it out my wife and I sit down and we watched uh, that episode of Monday Night Raw and uh, yeah it was uh, it, it was quite the event but um, yeah I mean Steve Austin between that and here's <laughs> here's a um, here's a, here's another reason why Stone Cold Steve Austin at one point makes the naughty list was when he aligned with Vince McMahon at that WrestleMania in 2001. Yeah, that horrid heel turn. Well, I mean... Well, that was a good... That that moment was good. It was yeah. just the, the invasion stuff. Was, oh, all that yeah. shit. Well, yeah, that yeah. was awful. Yeah. yeah, all right. Here, here, You know who makes the naughty list? Whoever wrote the invasion storyline. That yeah. fucking sucked. Yeah. Stephanie? <laughs> yeah, def- Stephanie, whoever else wrote that storyline. Oh, my God. Like, that was horrible. I, and that was, like, one of the first, like, wrestling events you and I watched together was, like, yeah. WrestleMania. Yep. That WrestleMania 17. Yeah. I think that was, like, the first one you guys ever came over. I think so. It was, like, you and Paul and... 
and uh, Trey. Yeah. I think Ricardo. Yeah. I forget. There was we were few, all there. That's, yeah. yeah. That, we watched it at my house. Yep. I mean, that was, a, that was a fantastic show. But oh, that was one of the best WrestleManias. In my opinion, I think best. that is yeah. the best WrestleMania in history. But, you know, that's another discussion for another day as we move on. Uh, you know, Steve Austin. Let's, let's talk about some other guys. Let's talk about... <laughs> I have I have a ton of names that could be on this list. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we're going to get to them all this week, but um, an individual who, in my opinion, is the greatest color commentator of all time, the greatest manager of all time, and in my opinion, if and I say this very boldly, if he pursued an active career in ring, he could have been the greatest performer of all time. From an in-ring standpoint and as a character, I'm talking about Bobby the Brain Heenan. You mean as a wrestler, too? Yeah. yeah. Well, he did wrestle for a little while, but I mean, yeah. he was such a good bad guy that, like... You love to hate him. Yeah, you love to hate him, but then it got to the point where you loved to love him because he yeah. was so funny at being bad, and he was so funny at taking an ass whooping. Yeah, when, like, he, when he tried to get into Monday Night Raw with... Uh, with all the disguises? Yeah. yeah, And then getting thrown out by... Uh, when he got thrown out by a gorilla. Yep. Yeah, that was his send-off. That yeah, was, that, yeah, that was when he went that, to WCW. That was when WCW, yeah. But, I mean, you know, all the things that he did, we talked about it earlier. He was the one that was getting Andre's ear to turn mm-hmm. on Hogan, even though Jesse Ventura stirred it up. Um do you remember the storyline he did where he managed the Islanders, Haku and Tama, and they stole the British Bulldogs, Bulldog Matilda? Yeah. 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 And yep. he would come out with that leash with the invisible yeah. dog? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that stuff was wild. Um, you know, what else did he do that used to really get people fired up? Um, well, how easily he would turn on people that, like, he worked, that worked for him. Like, he, he sold Hercules to the Million Dollar Man. You mm-hmm. sold a human being <laughs> to the Million Dollar Man. How evil is that? You know what I mean? And or how he ended up uh, degrading uh, Andre. Yeah. And Andre couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, and Andre beat the shit out of him, and that yep. was, like, Andre's send-off at that WrestleMania. Yep. Or when him and Mr. Perfect used to make fun of the big boss man's mother. I don't remember that. No. You don't remember that? No. Oh, no. my goodness. That used to be some crazy stuff. Like, they would call her fat and ugly, and she couldn't cook. And, you know, the, from the trailer park of Cobb County, Georgia. And, oh, yeah. Bobby Heenan was, like you said, you love to hate him, but then it got to a point as you became older and became a little more sophisticated. Um, you began to love watching him get yeah. his ass kicked, and you were entertained by it. Uh, but Bobby Heenan, definitely for sure, on the naughty list. Give me someone else. Let's let's continue this. King Lawler. Jerry Lawler. Yeah, I could I couldn't I, I couldn't disagree with you there. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, Tell me why. Stuff, look at the stuff he used to say about. Um, we were just talking about uh, what Heenan used to say about Boss Man's mom. Look at what he, um, Brett say about um, yeah, Helen yeah. Hart. Yeah. Or just the instigating that he used to do when um you know Stu was in the crowd or any of that type of stuff. Yeah, I mean it it was all fun and play, but I mean he did a great job at being a heel. And then I mean that the the kiss my foot match. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he didn't wash his foot for like because he stuck it in the horse stable and and all the horse shit and everything. But Brett ended up sticking his foot and and he was throwing up and. Yeah, and then he, that's when we saw, you know, the introduction of uh, his personal dentist, Isaac Yankum, yep. DDS. You know what's funny? You know, you bring up Lawler. Do um, you remember the incident where, like, 
I don't know what he he was like like Brett had a match on Raw with Bam Bam Bigelow and his parents were up on the balcony and yeah. Lawler was like taunting them. Yep. But like he didn't do anything physically to harm them. He was just kind of like shit talking them. And yeah. And like they you know Helen I think like fell over or Stu fell over or something. Like they were like all distraught. Yeah, and I think upset. I remember that. Yeah. But yeah, I remember like as a kid, even though I knew it was make believe. I was like, wow, he's saying some real mean things about his yeah, mother. That's like, what I remember, like yeah. I'm sure Brett's going to, like, you know, really give a. Kill him. Yeah, he's going to kill him in the ring. Like, holy cow. But um, I was just listening to a recent Bruce Pritchard podcast, and they were covering Survivor Series 93. And you remember when he was supposed to team yeah. with the Knights, and then Shawn Michaels ended yeah, up replace him? Did I you ever hear the story? Yeah, his son came up where he was something about a young girl or something. Yeah. I accused him of. All that wild stuff. Holy yeah. cow. And I, I mean. It turned out not to be true. But, yeah. You know, I know. It was crazy, right? For sure. And if he did do that, he definitely belongs on the list. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But, I mean, we know, how, we know how young he likes them. Uh, give me someone else. Who do you got? Orton. Yes. Especially what he's doing now. Oh, like, yeah. Did you see what he did to Mysterio's mask? Oh, the other, yeah, I did, recently, that scene, yeah. Did, that didn't look like it was supposed to be. Uh, like, it was, was, like it was planned? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he ripped I, it off and he ripped like, it, yeah, ripped yeah. it right off. I mean, I, they put a then they put a uh, towel over his head. Or yeah. What he was doing with the screwdriver to Jeff or, Hardy's yeah, ear, ear that was the, the I ear didn't watch that. Oh, that was a little yeah, that was yeah. a little much. But what about you know that stuff's pretty that stuff's pretty gruesome now. I wouldn't say gruesome, but you know, edgy now. But remember when he Triple H and oh, Stephanie? Man, dude. And wasn't actually no Vince wasn't involved in that too. Then he get like a RKO. Or so something. he kicked Vince. So like oh, it kicked him in the head. He yeah. kicked Vince in the head, and then he that started it. And then he won the Royal Rumble, and then he was beefing with Shane, and then that's when they introduced Hunter into it after yeah. he had RKO'd Stephanie, yep. and that was like when they brought Hunter back in there, you know. They were like, oh, you know, oh, they're still married. Oh, they never got divorced. You know yep. what I mean? Like they were always together the entire time, like that kind of thing. And uh, and then when he DDT'd her, and while Hunter was handcuffed, and then kissed her and yep. made out with her, yep. I was like, to me, I was like that. That to me was like the epitome of like, like a, a like a true like heel. He, not only a heel, but like a, like a. A heated rivalry in wrestling. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. For that time period. That was 2009. That was the early stages of the PG era in WWE. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, that to me was like, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, that is, like, I couldn't wait to see that match. Yeah. And then, yeah, it wasn't as good as we And then, were you know, it turned out to be a flop. Yeah. You know, because it, it, it sucks so bad. But um, tell me someone. Here's a question for you. Tell me someone who you wouldn't have expected to make Santa Claus's naughty list and did. And why? Why did they make Santa Claus's naughty list? No going back to saying I would I wouldn't expect it, but I understand it was Brett. But um Oh when when he turned on Brett? Wouldn't expect uh back then at least a brother back and brother. Then? Yeah. yeah. That was like a first real brother on brother kind of storyline. Yeah. Which, I mean, it turned out to be really, you know, good for uh, us because we had great matches oh, and, and great storylines. Yeah. Definitely on the naughty list yeah. for forcing his mother to throw, throw in, in the, the towel, towel on Brett at the Survivor Series in 1994. He's my brother, mother. Yeah. No, he's my brother. Help him. Yeah. He's Brett. 
and then she throws it in, and yeah. you hear Stewie say, "Don't yeah. do it, yeah. don't do it, Italian. What are you doing? What are you doing, you little bitch? You can throw the towel in that bread. He's lying to you, little bastard. He's lying to you, fucking motherfucker." And then she throws a towel. <laughs> he's doing good at Stew Hart too. Damn, oh, and he got me. Yeah, oh, and the the, the little bastard, he got me. But yeah, um, yeah, no, I mean, definitely for sure. I mean, you think about it. He's, uh, you know, he tricked his own mother, his own mother. Yeah. Into as soon as, he, as soon as she do it, he was jumping around. Yeah, he ran yeah. out the door real yep. quick. Yep. He ran out the door real quick, and she was just like, she was more worried about him, about Brett, obviously. And then you know, you could see like Stu, like kind of like standing over them or next to them, and he's just like looking back, and he's like. The little bastard, like he got it. I knew it. I told you. I knew it. You, know? <laughs> you didn't listen to me. What the fuck are you doing? You didn't listen. You know, <laughs> like she was, like for real. Like I was like, oh man, he got her good. But um, I'm trying to think who else. Oh, here, you know who I didn't. You know who I wouldn't have expected to make the naughty list. The one, two, three kid. Oh, when he joined the Million Dollar Man. Yeah. yeah. Like, one, two, three kid was like the epitome at that time of like an underdog, you know? And I didn't expect him to sell out and, and turn on Razor Ramon. Yeah. Like, Razor Ramon, even though he beat Razor Ramon to make a name for himself, yeah. Razor always watched his back. Yeah. And I was like, what the heck? Why are you turning on him? Mm-hmm. Like, him and Tatanka, another guy that deserves to be on the naughty list. I didn't see him turning on Luger at, at SummerSlam and joining the Million Dollar Corporation. That was another one. Um, and then if you think about it, when it comes to naughty lists, you know, we've kind of done primarily Nikolai WWF. <laughs> Nikolai, oh, God, I know, with that tuxedo Did he, t-shirt. Suit? Did he have, like, a penny suit on? He yeah, it was weird. like a tuxedo t-shirt that said oh, yeah. pennies. It was like the million cent man or yeah. something like yeah. that. Nikolai Volkov. But, um, yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, we've done primarily WWF and maybe a little bit of WCW when it comes to our naughty list. But, um of course, the internet wrestling community and, and fickle wrestling fans today, you're definitely on Santa's naughty list. But um, what about the entire ECW roster? Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Sonny. <laughs> Sonny. <laughs> Tammy. 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 Excuse me. Sorry. Sonny. Tammy. Hoeing it out. No. Nope. The Dudleys. Just those. I, I, we won't get into that today because we have uh, children in the studio. Yeah. But, uh, yeah stuff we, that she was doing in the back. Yeah. While some her, uh, extracurricular activities that are of the adult nature. That, that we'll discuss at a later Paul date. Heyman. Paul Heyman. Yes. Yes, for Speaking sure. Of just ECW, we might as well throw out the... Just what the, put the, Paul Heyman on the naughty list? Him not paying his wrestlers? <laughs> <laughs> There's still people today that... That, that he owes money to, right? That he owes money to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I ever, Well, here's a funny story. When you and I used to do um, the ring crew for, for ACW... ACW. Yep. Um, you remember the kid that was kind of like the Paul, he did the Paul Heyman gimmick with like the hat and the phone. He was like JP Ward. His name is Jay Ward in real life. He did like the Paul Heyman gimmick. That was gimmick. at ACW? Yeah. Um, he had like a hat yeah. and a suit, right? So I knew him. I grew up with him. Yep. For, for We went to summer camp together. I actually follow him on Twitter. And, uh, he was, um, he was doing the Paul Heyman gimmick and he was working for, Bob Backlund's campaign when I think Backlund was running for state senate at one time in the state of Connecticut and he knew some wrestlers through some guys and so he told me a story that he went into he no he told me a story that he was at a bar with New Jack 
and New Jack was being one of the individuals that Heyman owes money to at that time. I, he probably still does. And he told a story that New Jack got so drunk and they just started talking about like ECW and all that stuff. And New Jack basically was like, Paul's a liar. He had money hidden in the house. He goes, I watched his father, the lawyer, stuff money in the mattress. Literally stuff money in the mattress. <laughs> he goes, they were hiding money. He well, goes, yeah, they did the, in the basement kind of where is where he did all the um, interviews and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, they did like all like the pre-tape promos and yep. stuff with the guys in the, in yep. the basement while the mom's ironing, as you saw on the uh, on the, the, the Beyond the Mat. Yep. But yeah, um, yeah, definitely Paul Heyman, and of course, you know what he'd done as a manager for for uh, when he was managing Brock Lesnar. Oh yeah, Kurt Angle, Dangerous Alliance. Dangerous Alliance. Yeah, yeah. I mean the stuff that he did um, definitely puts him at, the, at one of the one of the top spots on Santa Claus's naughty list. Uh, you know, we we could go on and on for this. Uh, is there anyone else that you would like to uh, induct into Santa Claus's naughty list in the history of professional wrestling, past and present? I know we said Hogan, but maybe just as a group, the whole NWO. Yeah. I, know we, I mean, we did kind of talk about yeah. it. Yeah. That's no, that's definitely. I mean, if you think about it, like you said, you talked about Savage doing all them things, Hall yep. and Nash. Um, DiBiase was a part of that group yep. at one point. You yep. know, like he definitely deserves to be on the naughty list. Uh, Whoever thought it was a great idea to split up the NWO into two factions, you, you can put them on the naughty list as well, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Like I said, they're Russo, probably... you, you, you mentioned Oh, Russo, him. for sure, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about him for a minute yeah. here, okay? First of all, all right, I'll, I'll go on record as saying is that, you know, and we'll talk about it in a later episode, but I'll briefly mention it, that Vince Russo inspired my writing when I used to write the storylines for our Backyard Wrestling Federation. <laughs> and, 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 and I'll leave it at that, and that's a little cliffhanger we'll save for a future episode with our, with hopefully. Who's marrying who? What? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> JWA reunion that we're going to have in the, in, uh, on kicking out it too in the very near future. But, um, yeah, I mean, for as much for as much praise as he's gotten and he gets a lot of praise for certain things i mean there's he has a place in wrestling history okay i'll give him that but a lot of it was on like the wrong end or the negative side of professional wrestling um and his contributions and and what he he contributed or or lack thereof but yeah i mean what did what did russo do that um that you think put him on the naughty list, aside from his writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, I, I don't really – some people blame him for Owen. I really don't because – No. I mean – I don't either. Came, came really – that was just a bad situation. It was an accident. Yeah. But, um, I, I mean, I, the, he is the storylines of our of, – of the um, Attitude Era pretty much. So I enjoyed all that stuff, but just what he did when he went to WCW, if he just – yeah, I don't know if it was Vince that kept him under control, or he didn't know how to, um, he just, be, I don't know. I don't know how he could um, do so good in WWE, and then go there and... Well, he had a filter with Vince. Yeah, that's... Be, Vince was Vince his was filter. filter. Over there is, okay, yeah, you, you want to um, put a... a Pinata Ju- on a Judy um, Bagwell on a pole match? Go ahead. <laughs> Where Vince would be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Come up with something else. Yeah. I mean, he had a filter with McMahon, yeah. but like over in WCW, he had free reign to yeah. do a lot of things. At the same time, as much as... And somebody that gets that off on pole matches. 
<laughs> Viagra on a pole. They did a Judy Bagwell on a pole. They what was did... the thing where on Booker T the belt fell out of the... Oh, you want to hear that stupid storyline? That was called a San Francisco 49ers match. Where, oh, yeah. Because they were in San Francisco that night on Nitro. Yep. So the deal was was that... Now, here, now here's the reason why Russo is on the naughty list because he made himself the, the WCW world champion. Yep. That was even worse than uh Arquette. Yeah. Arquette was I feel like Arquette gets a bad rap because it wasn't like he went to them and said, "You're going to make me the champ because I'm in this movie that's about your wrestling company." Yeah. It, they he didn't want to. Yeah. yeah. They pitched it to him and he took every dime he made off of wrestling and he donated it to Brian Pillman's family, yep. Owen Hart's family, um and and other wrestlers who had passed away's mm-hmm. families. So I, I don't get why Arquette gets so much crap from wrestling fans. I when that wasn't even his idea. Yeah, yeah. he just was doing the job, doing what he was told. You know, and what actually I mean? now he's actually starting trying to wrestle again. He's been wrestling. Yeah, he wrestled. Um, he wrestled for Northeast Wrestling in Connecticut yep. with uh, with uh, the Hurricane. Yeah. a while back, and then he was a part of a death match in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, I just heard for about Survivor that. Series weekend against uh, Nick Cage. Name, right? Yeah, again, yeah, Nick Cage. He wrestled. And yep. He. They beat the crap with light bulbs and yeah. stuff. Like, or I guess bad. he, I guess he, he moved and he, he got nervous. He moved and he got like, he got sliced on his neck. Yeah. yeah, so he covered it and they, he cut he cut the match early. Like he lied down. Yeah, and 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 then he literally got up with his hand holding his neck, walking out of the ring. And but uh, you know, uh, there's there's other people that you could blame for for that situation, yeah. putting him with his inexperience in a exactly. situation like that. Yeah. But um, no, I mean Russo making himself the champion definitely puts him on the naughty list. But the 49ers match. Um, Russo was the champ and they did this storyline where he was like taking a, an ex, an absence from WCW or something. He was like, I'm leaving and I'm going to leave you in charge. And it was, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, he was like in that group, the natural born thrillers. Um, Oh, I know what you're talking above about. average Mike Sanders and yeah. made him like the temporary commissioner yep. of WCW. And he, and so he put the belt up. And they had Jarrett and Booker wrestle in a San Francisco 49ers match where you basically had to climb the pole and go into this box and find find the belt. Yeah. And it was like a picture of Scott Hall. There was a picture of Scott Hall on one of them. <laughs> yep. There was like a rubber chicken and another one. And then like Booker pulled the box with the belt, but he didn't even grab the belt. The belt fell out of the box. So and the referee the... picks it up and hands it to him. <laughs> yep. So technically the referee is the champ. Yeah, I know, right? It's pretty stupid. But yeah, that that I, I think we've kind of covered the 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 evil of of pro wrestling and, and where they stand on Santa Claus's naughty list. I'd like to thank you once again for uh, no problem for, for making it out here this week and and, uh, and and partaking in the holiday festivities next uh, this week. Next week, I'm not sure if you're going to be here or not, but next week you're more than welcome to join me if you want. If not, we'll we'll, we'll set something up at a, at a later date with you once again there, my friend. But uh, next week, join us for a special watch along the day after Christmas. We're going to cover the 20th anniversary of Starcade 1998. That was the evening that really changed WCW for the worse. Um, it was the night that Goldberg's streak had ended. The main event was Goldberg and Kevin Nash, and it was a blockbuster main event at the end of 1998. But the results of that match really set the tone for what was set to take place in WCW in the next year, heading into 1999. So uh, check us out next week. 
December 26th, day after Christmas, we are going to be celebrating the 20th anniversary of Starcade 1998. Once again, my friend, thank you so much for being a part of this. Thanks for having me. And uh, without further ado, I think it's time that we put this show down for the three count. All the naughty list participants are going down one, two, three, and we will see you all next week.